Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. How many of you, and I will share a personal story, so don't worry. Um, How many of you have ever been told, hey, what you're doing is wrong, all right? And if you don't stop and correct your ways, there's going to be consequences. Anybody ever had a mom or grandpa or coach or a friend like, hey, you're living wrong and there's going to be consequences. Let me um, tell you about a time, okay? So I grew up in California, went to college in East Texas, all right? It was culture shock, okay? I thought I was in a different world, okay? I'm moving from California to East Texas. And I was driving from Houston um, up to like East Texas uh, to my school. I just got done preaching a youth event and uh, was driving as Californians do, not super slow or according to speed limit, I was speeding really fast, all right? Um, And if you're not familiar with these Texas, they have all these small little towns um, that are mainly only exist to annoy people and create speeding traps, all right? That's like the primary reason they form these little towns. And um, so the speed limit is 75. I was going above that, all right? (laughs) Uh, not 75. I was going a little faster than that. And all of a sudden I look up and it says, welcome to Diebold, Texas. Anybody from Diebold? Anybody know? Don't go there. Okay. It's the worst place in Texas, um, in my opinion. But Diebold, Texas went from 75 miles an hour to 35. I was not going 35. Um, and as, as I'm looking at the speed limit, I see the uh, red and blue lights. I'm getting pulled over. And so I thought, hey, listen, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to tell him I'm coming from preaching. It's late. Maybe he'll let me off. And um, that didn't happen at all. And so um, I got a speeding ticket. Okay. And he was real aggressive uh, in his welcome to me from being from California um, and being in Texas now. He was real welcoming. Um, but in my mind, here's how this works. I knew in my mind in three weeks, I was moving to East Tennessee. And so in my mind, right, I'm from California, we think a little different out there. I'm going to move away. This ticket doesn't matter. I don't have to pay it, right? Like it's, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be in Texas anymore. And so my mind, no one told me I didn't know how these things worked. I'm moving away. Ticket doesn't exist. Now the cop did say, if you don't pay this ticket, you're going to have consequences. I'm moving to Tennessee. So fast forward three years later, okay, um, I'm speeding again in Tennessee and get pulled over. We drive different in California. Um, I get pulled over and I knew the cops. So I thought like, uh, you know, he was messing with me. I was pastoring a church. I was the lead pastor of a church out there. And um, I thought he was messing with me. He pulled me over. He said, hey, pastor, how you doing? I said, hey, man, I'm good. I'm, you know, I just had lunch. I'm headed to another meeting. He goes, well, pastor, listen, um, here's the deal. I don't know how to tell you this. Um, I need you to step out of your truck. And so I'm thinking, oh, he's going to take pictures, you know, and like I, 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 you know, handcuff the pastor. He was being serious, all right? And so um, he told me, have you ever been to Diebold, Texas? And I instantly started sweating because I remembered Diebold, Texas. And he um, graciously told me, you have a warrant out for your arrest from Diebold uh, County and right in Texas. 
And, uh, but here's the deal, Pastor. I know you. Um, I'm not going to ask you what you did. I was like, man, I was just speeding. I promise. Um, and he said, I'm going to let you go. But man, you got to call them now. Like you have to call them today. So I went home and called and uh, a sweet lady answered the phone. I said, listen, um, I'm a pastor. Right? I can't make it to Diable. And that was the only time that line worked. And she said, honey, don't worry about it. I'll clear your name. Don't worry about the ticket. And she completely like erased it for me. Right. Praise God for that. But here's the deal, could have got really bad. I could have been on the news as a pastor who got arrested for a warrant uh, from Diebold, Texas, but um, graciously um, I was forgiven. Right? And what we're going to see today, um, every single one of us, maybe not a speeding ticket, but every single one of us have been told and been confronted by something we said or something that we did. Hey, that is not right. You need to correct it because if you don't, there's going to be consequences. And sometimes when we're confronted, most sometimes our emotions kick in and we're thankful right? We're like, man, thank you for graciously pointing this out to me, and I will correct my ways. Thank you, right? But other times, we can respond in a, in a harsh and kind of um, um, rebellious kind of way of, like, who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? And, and even though there's consequences, we would still walk in rebellion to that confrontation, and so what we're going to see today in our text is it, it runs along the same concept. God is warning this king named um, Jehoiakim, and, and he's writing a letter through Jeremiah telling this king, hey, what you're doing is not right. You need to repent or there's consequences. And we're going to see how he responds um, in, a, in, a, in a more rebellious way. But what we need to be careful with as we read this story, as we read the word, to, that we have to be careful that we're not judging this king and how he responds without first looking at our life and how we respond to the word of God. Because if, 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 we're, if we really examine, we might respond in a similar fashion. Jeremiah chapter 36, starting in verse 1 through 4. Jeremiah 36, 1 through 4. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Sometimes it's on the screen, unless it crashes, and so it's good to have your Bible with you. But here's what Jeremiah 36, 1 through 4 says. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I've spoken to you concerning Israel. Judah and all the nations from the time I first spoke to you to Josiah's reign today. Perhaps when the house of Judah hears about this, all the disaster I'm planning to bring to them, each one of them will turn from his evil way. Then I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. So Jeremiah summoned Barak, the son of Ner, and, and, and at Jeremiah's dictation, Barak wrote on a scroll all the words the Lord had spoken to Jeremiah. So here's what's going on. God is telling Jeremiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sum up, right, everything that I have spoken through you, right? So like everything that we've been going through with David um, in, in our series in Jeremiah, God's telling him, hey, write all of those stories, everything that I said, and, and write it on a scroll and give it to the king in hopes that he hears these stories and repents and I will forgive him. Right? And, and the main point of, this, of these messages, you kind of sum them up. God is telling them, you're not living right. You're rebelling against what I have established. But if you repent, if you surrender, if you turn away from these idols, if you turn away from your sin, I will forgive you. But if you don't, 
There will be destruction. There will be judgment. There will be consequences. And so right up front, um, it sounds like this letter is kind of coming with a mean tone, but if you really look at it, it's coming from like a tone of love. God is trying to tell them, I want to forgive you. I want to not have to um, judge you or destroy you. I want to extend forgiveness. So it's not a mean-hearted letter. It's God showing them, I am a God of forgiveness. Right? He doesn't desire, the Bible teaches that he doesn't desire to punish anyone. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay in his promises as some understand delay, but he is patient with you. And praise God. How, like, are you thankful that God has been patient with you since you've been walking with him? To give you chance to get it right, a chance to get it right and another chance? Second Peter says that he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so this letter, this whole message that God is trying to, to get across to the king is, I will forgive you, but you have to repent. And if you don't, there will be consequences. And so what happens is Jeremiah brings in the scribe Barak and, and he's writing this letter and Jeremiah sends Barak to the temple. So not the king at first, but to the temple and, and tells him, hey, go read this to the people in hopes that the people will hear the message that's meant for the king, but would hear the message. And Jeremiah says, I hope that it would cause them to repent. And so Barak goes and, he, and he's reading and there's city's officials um, there in the temple who hears this message, hears the letter and tells him, hey, can, can you, you need to come and speak this to the king. So look at verse 16 through 19. When the officials heard all the words, they turned to each other in fear and said to Barak, we must surely tell the king all of these things. Then they asked him, tell us, how did you write these? At, at Jeremiah's dictation? And he said to them, at his dictation. He recited all these words to me while I was writing on a scroll in ink. And the official said to him, you and Jeremiah must hide and tell no one where you are. So, so Barak is reading this letter that, that God spoke to Jeremiah. The people hear it. These officials hear it. And what we can gather is they believe it. They, they hear this message and, and they say, we have to tell the king. And if you think about that, when someone hears the good news of the gospel, that, that God, yes, he is holy and yes, we are sinful, that God is righteous and we are unholy, that God is perfect and we are full of imperfections and full of blame, and that our sin, the wages of our sin equals death, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, his sons. When, when someone hears the gospel, there's only two ways to really take it in. One way is it's like a breath of fresh air that I can have freedom, that I can have life, that I can have forgiveness, that I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Do you remember when you heard and understood the gospel for the first time? How, what a relief that was to you? That God is not waiting to like throw a lightning bolt at you, but he's extending grace and love to you? Like what an amazing feeling that brought. That even though, yes, I am sinful and I have to be confronted with that, at the same time as I'm confronted with my sin, I'm met with love and not criticism and not judgment. But for other people, I, I, well, I mean, that's what they experienced. Like these officials, they heard it and said, man, we must tell the king that God is going to extend forgiveness. If we repent, he will forgive us. We have to tell the king. But for other people, 
um, when you are confronted with reality that God is holy and you're not, that God is awesome and you're not, that you are not blameless but full of blame, when, when people hear that you have to, in order to get to heaven, um, you can't get there on good deeds or being a good person or being successful, that when some people hear that you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him, some people, when they're met and confronted with the gospel, the same message, some people, when they're met with the gospel, they rebel. No one's going to dictate how I live my life. No one's going to be the God I, I will lead myself. I will do as I please. And what these officials knew in their, in their hearts, man, we have to tell the king. They knew that they knew the king well enough to know, hey, Barak and Jeremiah, you guys need to go hide because this isn't going to go well. We, we know how the king is going to respond. And, and, and so that's what we're about to see. We're about to see that. Um, um, well, let's just read it. Look at verse 21 through 25. Um, the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll and he took it from the changer of the scribes and, and he read it in the hearing of the king and all the officials who were standing by the king. And since it was the ninth month, the king was sitting in his winter quarters with a fire burning in front of him. So imagine this scene. It kind of feels like a creepy movie to me, right? Where there's a fire and there's a king and he has like his little um, like minion almost, right? And, and, and he's having this guy read the letter from Jeremiah that, that God told him to, to read. Now in Arkansas, that was like 106 yesterday and it's raining today. So I don't think any of us are just sitting around a fire. But here's the, like, I want you to picture winter time, Okay. So he's in there, there's a fire. Um, he has a, a guy reading this letter from God, and here's how he responds. As soon as Jehudi would read three or four columns, Jehoiakim would cut the scroll with a scribe's knife and throw them into the fire until the entire scroll was consumed by the fire. And as they heard all the words, the king, this is, uh, uh, remember verse 24, as they heard all of the words, the king and his servants did not become terrified or tear their clothes. Even though there were officials who urged the king not to burn the scroll, he did not listen. And, and so what do we see? We see that as, as the king is confronted with the word of God, his response is rejection. His response is, even though he has people telling him, man, don't do this. Like, don't, don't reject. Don't throw this into the fire. Don't, don't reject this message. He pays no attention to them. He responds by throwing the word of God into the fire, showing a true rebellion, a true rejection of God. I mean, this is a clear a picture as we can get as someone who is on full um, defiance and even blasphemy against God and his word. Not just like he doesn't respect God, but has the mindset that God isn't that powerful, that I can cut his word, and I can throw it into the fire, and it takes away God's power. It takes power away from God's word. That's this king's mindset. It, it, it's kind of like when my daughter, we play hide and seek, and she stands in the middle of the living room and covers her eyes, right? And she thinks that if I don't see dad, dad doesn't what? See me. And so he said, if I can just remove God's word, if I can just burn it and destroy it, it has no power. It has no power over me. God is not God. I am the one in charge. And he went as far. I mean, he, like, do you see the extreme measures that this king has taken in his response? 
And what was the message? God is extending forgiveness. You're not living right, but if you repent, I will forgive you. But if you don't, there will be consequences. And this king responded with rejection and rebellion. But listen, here's the point where we have to be really careful as believers. Because this is the point where we look at someone as extreme as that, and we judge and we criticize them. Like what kind of evil, wicked person would just cut a a letter from the Lord and, and his words and just burn it in a fire? Like what kind of wicked and evil, insane person would do that? Who would cut the word of God and burn it? That, I mean, that's like our, first, like our first thought. But in reality, man, people have been doing this forever. They have been forever rejecting God's word or, or not seeing the power of God's word as it really is. And if we look into our own life, there might be some areas in ourselves that we are also rejecting God's word and doing the same exact thing. The king believed that if we could, if he could just cut and burn it, it destroys the power of God's word. And in Isaiah, you guys know this, Isaiah 48, man, it says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God, what? Stands forever. Psalm 119.89, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. For this king, if he can just, if he can just cut the word and burn it, it goes away. But he can cut and burn all he wants. It does not take away God's power. It does not change the word of God. And even in our current culture, it seems like the government and schools, like everyone, their culture is just bent on removing Jesus, like getting Jesus out of the way so that whatever agenda they want to place, that's going to take over. And they can, they can do all they want. They can remove Jesus from everything in the whole world. It does not remove Jesus. It does not take away his power. It does not take away the fact that when God spoke the world into existence, that same power is what holds everything together and for all of eternity. That the word of God, you can burn it and cut it and ignore it all you want, but the word the Bible says, it it never returns void. That the word of God is powerful. And even if um, someone fully rejects God, God doesn't exist, I don't believe it, and their mindset is, man, if I don't believe it, it's not real. Even if they reject God, it doesn't make God just disappear. He is still God. He is still on the throne. And he still runs this thing. If you're with me, say I'm with you. If you're with me, say I'm with you. It's getting quiet in here. So, so here's the deal. How we respond to God's word matters. And, and I don't think any of you, like I don't know you, right? I got to meet some of you. I don't know uh, some of you guys, though. I don't think any of you have a fire pit in the backyard, like in the woods, with a bunch of Bibles stacked up, and you're, like, throwing Bibles in. Like, I don't think anybody in here is doing that, all right? If you know someone doing that, call the cops, all right? Don't, like, don't hang out with them, okay? Um, I, I don't think any of you are doing that. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can, we can fall into the mindset of this king, where maybe you've heard somebody say, Man, I don't believe the Bible because that was for a different day and a different culture. 
right? You might, you might have heard somebody say that, or there's a lot of errors, and I don't know if I can actually believe the Bible. You might have heard somebody say that. Um, so we had to be careful, right? Or, or maybe on the other side of things, right? Some people who, who claim to love God and to follow God, like I, I'm a Christian, right? They claim Christianity, they claim Jesus. They, they maybe are not throwing Bibles in the fire, but they reject God's word because, man, they don't respect it. They, they, they don't view this as like, this is what I build my life on. They view this as, man, I gotta make sure I take this to church with me on Sunday. This is more of like accessory um, to, to your life versus this is what I build my life on. So, so we have to be careful that, uh, and, and I'm not trying to like come at you this morning, right? Because if I'm not focused on discipline, if I'm not focused on daily discipline, I could go two days, three days without getting into the word if I'm not careful, right? We're human, we're, we're not perfect, right? We're in progress. God is doing a good work in our life. So I'm not trying to come at you like in a legalistic way, but if we're not careful, like, let me just ask you, like, when is the last time you actually opened your Bible on a day not starting with the word son? All right, good, amen. Or is this becoming just like a decor item that's collecting dust? Like, when is the last time you as a family just sat down and you just had a devotion? Were you as a family like, hey, we're building our family line, our tree on the word of God and nothing else? And so what are, what are the ways that we can reject God? Here, here's a few ways. Um, not just not reading the Bible, right? That's a way to reject God's word, but not applying the Bible to our life, right? Where we go through the motions of church, where, where we come in on Sunday morning, we hear David preach an awesome message, right? David's a great pastor and a great preacher. We, we hear him preach. We hear the worship team and Tyler, like they lead us in worship and, and we hear the word and then it's applied to your life, right? But then we walk out with no intention on actually doing what the Bible just told us to do where we look at the Bible as an option and not God's word of obedience. If you're with me, say I'm with you. So that's one way that we reject it. We just treat it as an option. Another way that we reject God's word is we don't make church and community a priority of our life, right? Where if there's a better option on Sunday, if there's a better option when my small group meets, I'm gonna choose that and it's okay, right? That is a rejection of God's um, plan that we see in Scripture to be a part of a family, a community. Matter of fact, in America right now, this is not second, right? I'm not, I, don't, I don't know where, how many times you go to church, right? But in America, the average um, person goes to church out of the month, right? So the four Sundays, sometimes five um, in a month. The average Christian claims to go to church on average only two times a month, right? But if you extend that over time, you're really showing not just the church, not just your community, but you're showing God exactly what is the priority of your life. And it's not God. It's not community. Listen, um, I, I've been here before and I got to preach before and I've said this before, but maybe you weren't here that Sunday. You're awesome, all right? Like if, if, some, if no one's ever told you you're awesome, I wanna tell you this, you're awesome. I don't even know you, you're awesome. But can I be real with you? Say yes. I, I didn't need your permission. I'm just gonna do it anyways, all right? You're not that awesome. You're not that awesome to the point where you can live life on your own in isolation and walk this Christian walk with boldness and courage. We need community. 
God's word screams that he created you to be a part of a church family in community. And when we miss church, when we miss small group, when we're not a part of the family, we are easy pickings for the enemy. Someone in this church needs you, and you need people in this church. So we reject God's word by not getting into it, not taking it seriously, not applying it to our life. We, we reject God's word by, not, by being in community, not making church and, and, and small group uh, and discipleship a priority. But we also reject God's word by not doing what it says, not living the thing out. Now, there's two ways to kind of talk about this. There's, you know, the Bible says, like, there's a lot of things that says, um, don't do this, right? Don't murder, don't cheat, don't steal, right? There's a lot of do not do's in the Bible. And so if we know that there's a do not do list and you are doing those do not do's, you are doing what? Rejecting the word of God, right? And so, I mean, it's, it, I can't make it any more simple than that. There's, there are times in the Bible that says, don't do this. And if you see that and you hear sermons on that and you walk out and you do those things, you are rejecting God's word. Now, listen, some of you, you've got the do not do list nailed down, right? You fight sin, right? You're in the word, right? You fight sin. You don't, you haven't murdered anybody this week, man. Praise God, right? Like you're crushing it. But you know, the Bible also has a list of two deuce. Y'all know that, right? Where, where we see commands from God, where he tells us to do, to love our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to serve other people, right? To, to do good works, not for salvation, but because of salvation. To, to share the gospel. These are not suggestions, these are commands. So you might be in here and you have been walking with Jesus for a long time and you, your sin life, man, you are like, you're strong, like you fight sin well, man, praise God. But on the other side, you can reject God's word by not doing the commands that he's commanded. In other words, you reject God's word of love your neighbor as yourselves if you spread rumors and gossip. You, you reject God's word of obedience when he says love your neighbors as yourself if you take advantage of them financially. You, you reject God's word when he says to love others as you love yourself if you, if you lust, if you lie, if you cheat. But in the same breath, can I, can I, can I take one more step? Say yes. If you are a believer and you claim Jesus and you see the commands, Jesus literally before he ascends after death and he ascends to heaven, he says, go make disciples. Go share your faith. If you are a Christian who believes in the name of Jesus and you have no intentions and you've never tried and it doesn't bother you that you've never shared your faith with someone, listen to me, you are rejecting the word of God. And I'm in this boat, we, like, we, we have to be intentional with our obedience to God's word. It's not just the extreme of throwing it in the fire, it's the day-to-day -day living that if we're not careful, we look more like that king than we do a follower of Jesus. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Again, I don't think any of you are like in a weird cult burning Bibles out in the woods, right? Like, I don't, but we have to be careful not to judge this king without first looking into our own lives. Amen? Now, here's the deal. Um, 
the, the rest of the chapter, and, and this, is, this is kind of how we end, so Tyler, you can come up. The rest of the chapter shows God telling Jeremiah to write the letter again, write it over, but this time tell the king, because of what you've done, I know that you burned it, right? You can be like my daughter and cover your eyes and think that I'm not real, but Jehoiakim, like I'm real. You burned my letter, you burned the word, you rejected my offer of forgiveness, and because of that, destruction's coming your way. And for Jehoiakim specifically, his, his punishment of rejecting God's word was he's not going to have the promise of having one of his heirs, one of his sons, one of his lineage being a king. It's done. That's a big deal for a king. And not only that, he tells him specifically, it's a little harsh, that you're not going to be buried as a king properly. Your body is going to be thrown out in the wilderness and birds are going to eat you. I mean, that, that is a big deal to hear for, for a king. But that was the consequence of his rejection of God's um, forgiveness. He was offered forgiveness, but chose judgment. And I don't know if you caught it, but back in verse 24, we're gonna put it on here. Verse 24, as, as Jehoiakim is burning this word of God, this is what it says, as they heard all these words and the king and all of his servants, they did not become terrified or tear their clothes. It's kind of a weird thing to throw in there, but, but it's important. This, this verse throws us back to Jehoiakim's father, Josiah. Back in 2 Kings 22, and if you were here, we did a, a series on this. But Jehoiakim's father was Josiah, another king. And just to kind of summarize, he was a king at 88 years old and, and he led this mission to rebuild the temple. And as they were building this temple up, they found some old scrolls of God's law, right? Letters, and, and they begin to read them. And it's the same message. I mean, like, it's the same message. You're, you're not living right. You are sinful, I'm holy, but if you repent, I will forgive you. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. Same exact scenario, two kings, same message. We know how Jehoiakim responded in rejection, but I want you to see how his father, same message, same scenario, how he responded. Second Kings 22, 11, when Josiah, so his father, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Verse 13, he said this, the king said, go inquire of the Lord for me the people in all of Judah about the words in this book that have been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about us. And, and what we see in 2 Kings is Josiah, after this moment, he, he hears this message. He sees God's wrath towards their idolatry, towards their sin. And he hears the message of forgiveness. And he says, listen, let's, we're responding. He rips his clothes. And what that is, that's a sign of anger and, like, and, and a brokenheartedness. Not towards God, not towards the message, but towards his own sin. And what we see in 2 Kings, if you read that chapter, he repents and he leads the whole nation, all of the people in his kingdom to repentance. He said, we're done with these idols. We're done with this sin life. We're gonna be obedient to God in his words. And we see almost a revival take place as he accepts this message of God. As he's confronted with his sin, he tears his clothes, he repents. And we see revival take place. Two kings, one message, two different responses, two different outcomes. One accepts 
and walks in forgiveness. One rejects and walks towards judgment. And I, I don't know where you stand right now with God, but you have a chance to respond to God and to his word. Some of you right now, you have a relationship with God. You're, you're fighting sin. You're, you're, you're hearing the words of, of the commands and you're trying to walk in obedience. And listen, this is not a legalistic thing. This is a Bible thing. We are called to walk in obedience. We can't use the, 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 the phrase um, um, legalism, right? If you, don't, if you never heard that word, that word is, is just real simple. It's where we obey God's word to earn something from God. That's not what we do. Because of what God has done for us, we walk in obedience. And so maybe you're in here and you have a relationship with Jesus. You're, you're fighting sin. You get beat up every now and then, but like you're, you're fighting sin and, and you're reading the word. You're making it a priority. You're a part of the church family, right? And, and you're walking, you're taking step after step and you're progressing your life towards Jesus. If that's you in here, praise God, keep going. I'm proud of you. You're becoming more like Jesus. And I know it's not easy. Trust me, it's not easy, but you're doing it. And I'm proud of you. Bring someone with you. But maybe some of you in here, you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but if you really evaluated your heart, you evaluated your life, there would be some areas, maybe if you just admit it, there are some areas where I am rejecting God's word. Maybe it's not as extreme as burning it into a fire, but man, there's some sin that you know that God says, hey, don't, don't mess with that. And you're, you're, you just have a death grip on it. Maybe, maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe you're, you've been gossiping or you've been lying or, or cheating or like, I don't, I don't know what the sin is. Maybe it's some addiction or, or something and you're holding on to it and you're afraid that if you confess it before others, if you confess it to the Lord, judgment will come your way. And I'm here to tell you that's not the truth. So if there's a sin thing that, that, that's causing you to reject God's word, know this, that sin over promises and under delivers every time. That whatever lie you think that sin is going to give you, joy, freedom, whatever, it's never going to give you that. Sin only leads to death. So if that's you, man, confess that sin to the Lord. Confess it to a brother or a sister and move towards Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's not a sin issue for you. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus and, and you're looking at the commands that Jesus tells us, like to love your neighbors or to share the gospel, to open your mouth and proclaim the word. But you look at your life and you're like, man, it's been a while since I invited someone to church or it's been a while since I've shared my faith or even looked for an opportunity or, and, and don't feel bad about this because the majority of Christians in America have never shared their faith before. I don't like, I, I don't want you to feel bad like I'm hating on you, but man, this is the thing that Jesus told us to do. And so maybe that's you, you don't, you have a relationship, you're fighting sin, but man, you're just not sharing your faith or you're not, not actively obeying the word of God. What do you do? Respond in the same way, repent. Tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry that I, I'm, I'm not walking in obedience. I'm not sharing my faith. Give me boldness and giving me opportunity to open my mouth and share the gospel. I don't know where you stand. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you have zero intentions on being real with Jesus. Maybe for you, church is just a game, a checklist. I'm here to tell you, man, that is a dangerous game to play. God is offering you forgiveness, 
And you can look at me like, Donnie, listen, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know what I'm in now. And I'm here to tell you, I've shared you with, like, I can, I can match you story for story of my sin and probably add some. Don't, don't believe the lie from the devil that if you come and you say yes to Jesus, that he's going to meet you with judgment. That is not what the Bible says. Matter of fact, the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you are, you are being met right now. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're being met with the message of God. Yes, you're sinful, but, and yes, God's holy, but he is extending forgiveness. He is extending joy. He is extending a new life and new identity. But you have to say yes. You have to say yes. And I wouldn't be loving if I didn't say this, and we'll end. If you say no, if you reject this free gift that God is extending you, there will be consequences. The Bible says that our wages of sin equals death, and that is an eternal death, hell, uh, separation and hell from God forever. That doesn't have to be your story. Say yes today. Accept Jesus today. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.